Did you ever stop to consider that your life today is creating a ripple effect? This is Truth Encounter, and as we join our study leader Dave Wurtson today, he shows us from Deuteronomy chapter 29 that God is concerned about the ripples that we are making with our lives. Every generation, every individual must do personal business with God, and the decisions that are made set up a series of consequences that reach farther than most of us realize. Let's join Dave for the conclusion of our study titled, Get the Message. The Lord is making with you this day and sealing with his oath, and the Lord always keeps his promises, to confirm to you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I'm making this covenant with its oath, not only with you who are standing here today in the presence of the Lord your God, but also with those who are not here today. You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them the detestable images, and then he goes on and warns them about something we want to talk about in a minute. But the verse that I want you to see is the idea, he says, I'm not only making this promise with those that are, that are here today, but I'm also making this covenant agreement with those that are not here today. And you say, Dave, what does that mean? It's the ripple effect. And what Moses is saying is this, that the decision that every one of you make about what you're going to do about this agreement with God is going to have incredible effect. It's going to have like a ripple effect. And what I mean by that is when you drop a stone in water, it moves out through the water. It radiates out through the water. When you drive a speedboat through the water, the wave radiates through the water and it goes way out to the, to the shorelines. That's what Moses is saying. He's saying as we drop the stone of commitment into your life, the decision that you make is going to have incredible ripples throughout all kinds of generations to come. And Moses is thinking not just in terms of the immediate ripple of your own immediate family, but he's going on to talk about the successive ripples that are going to take place in one generation after another. Some of you are wrestling with, Dave, how can I know for sure that this is the truth? How can I know whether a commitment to Jesus Christ makes any difference? Here's my challenge to you. I want you to go back through, say, United States history. And I want you to look at United States history, and I want you to take those that are really committed to the Lord. I want you to take, for example, a family like Jonathan Edwards. He was before the Revolutionary War. And he was a great preacher. He was a minister for many years. He, he spoke the word of God. He was using the great awakening, the first great awakening that our country had. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to look at the decisions that Jonathan Edwards made. You can go to the library and get a biography on Jonathan Edwards. And then I'd like you to trace his family. Look at his family tree and look and see what his family tree generated. Look and see what happens in his family. Then what I want you to do is I want you to, take, I want you to take some other families. In fact, some of you kids might want to start out. You write Madeline Murray O'Hare. And you write what kind of an effect. You need to watch. What kind of an effect does Madeline Murray O'Hare have? What kind of a life does she live? What kind of influence does it have upon her family? And you see what happens from that. What I challenge you to do is this. Take Karl Marx and study Karl Marx's life. 
and look and see what happened and then, and then just trace that influence and ask yourself objectively, what do I think about this? You know, who made the right choice? You see, you're only going to get to live your life one time. So the choice that you make about, will I be committed to a covenant relationship with God? Will I really respond to what God wants me to do? Will I build my life on the Bible? You're only going to have one decision really to do that. And then to build your family on that. And every one of you fathers are building your family on something. Every single dad, you are setting up a ripple effect in your family. What are the essential parts of your life? What are you driven for? What are you living for? What do you think holds your life together? That's a decision you've made about the worship of your life, about the commitment of your life. And I want you to know that that's a very objective thing that happens in your life. You know, some of you have really decided, I'm going to build my life on this scripture. And what I want you to realize is, is that as you live your life, it'll produce a ripple effect. In my own life, I've really seen that. My, I've often told you, my dad at 19 years of age broke in the middle of the night, stopped tearing up tracks, and believed in the gospel. He believed that Jesus died on the cross. He got down on his knees weeping that the fact that Jesus loved him so much that he died for him. My dad never got over the commitment to that gospel. And my life has been incredibly influenced by that decision that my dad made when he was 19. My mom made exactly the same decision a few months later at a camp. She went to a summer camp, heard an evangelist present the gospel. She resisted, resisted, resisted. She did not want to receive Christ. She wanted to go to the, to, into society in New York. She was in the big time in, in New York and went to all the, the Waldorf Astoria and all those big hotels and she loved wearing the big party dresses and she loved going to the cocktail parties. That's what she really wanted to live for. And the Lord started to talk to her and says, no, Margie, you need to receive me. You need to believe in me. You need to trust me. My mom would often tell me when she was very ill, she'd share with me as a little boy the tug of war that took place in her heart. And then she talked about how she opened her heart because for the first time she heard somebody explain, totally forgiven, and mom received Christ as her savior. And my mom wrote a letter to my dad thinking that the engagement would be off. My dad wouldn't tell my mom he'd been saved because she thought, you know, she would ruin their engagement that way. She'd end it. And my mom didn't want to tell my dad, but my mom got the courage to tell him. And she wrote him and said, it's going to be Jesus. If you don't want Jesus, then you don't have me. My mother had that kind of commitment. Well, that's had an incredible influence on my life on my family life. It's had an incredible influence upon you. Because when I talked to my dad about coming to Midlothian, my dad would say, sure you need to come to Midlothian, man. God's family is really important. And I want you to be there. And, I, and, and it'll be exciting to see what God can do in, in teaching the word of God in a place like that. You see that ripple? I'm just telling you familiar stories that almost all of you know that know me well. But I want you to see the ripple in our family. I want you to see how it's passed on. You felt the ripple a little bit more as Jonathan and Joel used some of their gift to help you to praise him. The ripple goes on and on. I could do the same thing in Mary's family. That same dropping the, the stone of commitment. I want, you, I want to ask you, what are your families going to be built on? And it's very objective. I want all the teenagers, I want you to, to look at your friends. Like right now, kids start to make decisions about what they're going to do and what they're going to believe in. They're dropping a stone about what they're going to be committed to. The high school kids, like the juniors and seniors, you need to talk to the junior high kids about that ripple effect. You need to talk to the junior high kids about the decisions that you saw your friends made 
in sixth and seventh grade and what effect it produced in their life. And you want to challenge them, make this decision. This group here doesn't know the influence that you can have upon the junior high group. Some of you that are a little bit older, that you're in your 30s, some of you guys, like, I can look at you now. I remember when you were this age right here. And what you need to do is you need to tell them, when I was your age, I made this decision, I made this decision, I made this decision, and it produced this kind of effect in my life, both good and bad. And you want to challenge them to make the right decisions. Those of you that are from the, the oldest generation, you look back over a whole lifetime of seeing the effects of decisions. Share it. Don't hold that inside. That's what Moses is saying. He's saying that as we stand in the presence of God, it's not just this generation that's going to make the decision, but the decision that this generation makes produces a ripple effect, and the ripple effect of Israel went down through their whole generation. It went through the whole history of the Jewish people. So number one, are you sure you're tuned in? Number two, don't underestimate the power of the ripple effect of the decision that you make, either good or bad. Now, the third thing is this. Beware of vicarious blessing. Now, that's a real loaded thing. We usually talk about the vicarious atonement of Christ. That's a real highfalutin theological way to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ died in our place and you get the blessings that he earned for you. That's what we mean by vicarious. We mean that, that you received something that somebody else had. He died in your place when you should have died, and he gives you the blessings as a result of that death, the vicarious atonement. Now, I want to talk about something a little bit different here. I want to talk about vicarious living in the family of God. You know, there are some of you right here that are living on borrowed blessing. You know why? Because your life really holds together. You've got a roof over your head. You have good food in your tummy, and, and you have um, good clothes on your back, and you, you're able, you even drive a nice car, and, and you say, and you know what? You take it all for granted, because it's a vicarious blessing. You see, there's somebody else in your life, maybe a mom and dad, you know, maybe a friend. There's somebody else in your life that really has made the right commitment for God. In other words, they've made the right decision to build their life on biblical value. And God is really kind. God is incredibly generous. So he pours out his blessing. So you're living in the midst of blessing. And what you're saying is, I don't need this God stuff. Man, I wish Dave would just get done and we get through the book of Deuteronomy. Man, I want to get on to what's really important. Man, I want to go fishing. You know, I want to watch another football game. You know, I want to go out and, and try to get a last fling. And, and all kinds of things that you're living for. And you just take for granted the blessing. In fact, to make it really extreme, you can be in our church family, maybe a member of a good godly family, and you start just boozing it up every Friday, and then you start doing it every Monday night and every Wednesday night, and, and then you start taking some drugs to make it really extreme, and you get really hung up on that. And you feel like everything's going great because I still have a roof over my head. I still have food in my stomach. I have clothes on my back. Man, I don't need this God thing. Man, I'm living. I'm going to the party and I'm having a really good time. You know what you're doing? You're living on borrowed blessing. That's what Moses is talking about. Look what he says in the next verses. It says in verse 16, You yourselves know how we lived in Egypt and how we passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them the detestable images and the idols of wood and stone of silver and of gold. Make sure there's no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord your God to go. 
and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. What is Moses saying? He's saying there's going to be some that live among you that as they are going through the wilderness and as they come in contact with unbelieving people, they're going to see some people that just live for stuff. They just live for gold and silver and wood, and they, and, and they also live for immoralities, because that's what the other, the other thing that the idols represented. Now, that's a very real danger in our society. A very powerful, famous movie actress that just recently got married, and the movie actress was pushing her new film, and she was very sweet, and she's very kind, but she's also very seductive. I want to ask you, what does it say about thou shalt not commit adultery? You know, what does that feel like, thou shalt not commit adultery? And yet almost every one of you have been influenced by that value system. Almost every one of you men that have been exposed to that actress, and every one of you, even when I mention, like I won't tell her name, but every one of you men have a name. You've already guessed. In fact, almost all of you men have already gone to the beautiful actress that kind of turns you on. And you girls can do exactly the same thing. And I want you to realize that's the Baal Ashtaroth syndrome in the modern world. In other words, you're living for the sensual thrill. You see, what we should honor is a woman that saves her sexuality for the man that made a promise to her. Not someone that tries to to make big bucks by attracting hundreds and thousands of men to that. You see, that's kind of sick. It doesn't produce strong families. It's not a good value system. But our culture says that's a very important thing. It's a good thing. And what Moses is saying is that some of you, as you live in this contact with the Canaanites, which we all do, there's going to be a part of you that's really pulled into that. And you're sucked into that. And it happens real subtly. I mean, it just kind of slowly comes upon you, both for, for men and women. And Moses is very realistic and says that some of you in Israel are going to have that kind of pull and that kind of seduction. In fact, you know what some of you are going to do? You're going to do it secretly. I mean, you're not going to get your little goddess out, your naked idol. You're not going to just stick it right out there in the open. I mean, you're not going to be like the auto parts story, you know, where you go in the lavatory and it's plastered all over the the inside of the thing. I mean, you're not going to do that. It's going to be a secret thing. Nobody will ever know. And what you're going to say is, I have this just little secret compartment in my life where I'm able to enjoy what I know doesn't belong to me. And you start making little decisions about that, both as men and women. Now notice what Moses says. He says this. In verse 19, when such a person hears the words of this oath, they hear a message like today. You need to make a commitment to God. You need to realize that God knows everything that's going on in your life. You need to decide that there's going to be a tremendous ripple effect based upon the decision that you make. It says he invokes a blessing on himself. Boy, this guy's incredible. He invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I'll be safe, even though I persist in going my own way. In other words, you might be a young person here and says, man, God hasn't done anything to me yet. God hasn't zapped me yet. I mean, I've been flaking off and I know I've been disobedient, but man, everything's going great. That's what this guy's saying. He's saying, I persist in going my own way. This will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive him. His wrath and zeal, the curses written in this book, will fall upon him. And the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. The Lord will single him out of all the tribes of Israel for disaster according to all the curses of the covenant written in the book of the law. Now that's really strong. You know what the Lord is saying? He's saying that someone that is part of the covenant blessing, 
In other words, they're raised in families and they, they're raised in environments where they hear the instruction of God, but they presume upon it. They don't respond to it. They enjoy the blessings. And then deep in their soul, they say, ha ha, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to follow what the Bible says. I'm not going to follow that message about Jesus. I'm going to live my life my own way. And look at it, it's going great. That person is in very serious danger. Because I just read one of those passages that's repeated periodically through the Word of God. They're the most scary passage in all the Bible. You know what God is saying? There's some of you that your ears, it's still faintly getting through. Like this week as I was reading the book of Deuteronomy, I get a hard heart too. And I want you to know very honestly, as I'm saying this book, sometimes I say, Lord, are you sure you want me to talk about this stuff? I've got a better idea. The Lord says, no, you don't. And I'll say, Lord, this is not really turning me on very much. He said, you need to listen harder. Because I don't care less what you want to teach my family. You teach what I want my family to hear. And first of all, if you're going to teach them anything, you need to listen real well and real hard to me. And then I quiet down a little bit. You ever had that happen in your life? And I open my heart and I listen. And sometimes it's when I'm right in my tent speed. The Lord will bring back what I've been studying and he'll start to say, hey, this is the kind of thing. This is, first of all, what I want to happen in your own heart. Here are some things that you're not guarded in. Here are some things where you're not listening to me. And he begins to talk to me. And I want you to know something. That is a very precious thing. To have the word of God be infused by the spirit of God so that you begin to hear it in your heart. I remember that big, when I was just five years of age, I remember the Holy Spirit talking to my heart. And that's when I was born again. How many of you can remember the times, you can remember times when the Lord was talking to you? I'm not talking about you heard his voice audibly necessarily, but you felt that communication in your soul. For some of you right now this morning, it's faint. And you're like this guy right here. You know what the Lord is saying here? He's not saying the Lord doesn't want to help you to hear. He's not saying the Lord doesn't want you to have eyes that can see. But what he's saying is this. Respect your personality. He respects your identity. And if you make a decision in your heart with this twist in it, I enjoy the blessings. I enjoy the prosperity that my parents have because of their commitment to God, but it's not for me. I'm going to do my own thing. And you start living like that, and you conceal. You have secret, sinful things that break God's moral code. You know what the Lord is saying is that he might just stop talking to you. He might just stop communicating to you. That's what it means. For God to, to blot out, it means he just lets go. You see, he disciplines first. He starts to spank you a little bit first. But if you resist him and you continually let go, then he'll let go of you. This is like the fourth class of fool in Proverbs. What it means is that I'm talking to you, you could care less. Nothing's happening. It's not getting through. And I want to warn you about that. That's a very serious condition. I, I would never presume to make that a judgment about somebody, but I would be very amiss if I did not teach you from the Word of God that a human being can reach a point where they don't hear God's voice anymore. And on the other side, very positively, I want to stress, a lot of you are hearing that voice, and I want you to learn to cherish that. I want you to cherish that, that inner working of God in your life that makes you respond. The chapter goes on. 
and Moses talks about the fact that they're going to turn away. He talked to them about the discipline in verse 25. The Lord will answer will be, it is because this people have abandoned the covenant of the Lord their God. The covenant he made with them, he brought them out of Egypt. They went off and worshipped other gods. What Moses is describing there is this. He says, your land, the land of Israel, is going to look like the moon. And one of the things I want you all to realize, this is a very objective thing. Moses says that the land of Israel is going to look like a bombed out district. And if you objectively study the history of the nation of Israel, you're going to find out when Moses brought, when Joshua brought the children of Israel into the Holy Land, it was a holy land in the sense that it was beautiful. It was treed. It was forested, in other words. There were the beautiful lakes. There was beautiful productivity. But you know that know what? There's sections of the Holy Land today. In fact, the very place, the very place where Moses gave this message looks like the moon. There's black basalt ro- rocks all over this area. Everywhere you go on the plains of Moab, you can reach down and pick up these black chunks of basalt. Because there were tremendous volcanic activity that took place in this place. And the whole thing has just been devastated. It's barren. It's, it's, it, there's very little rainfall. Because God has a way of just bringing the message spiritually to grips physically. The very field where Moses gave this message today is a barren, dry, wilderness place. And God is saying that history, the history of Israel, proves it. In fact, one of the things I challenged you the last time we studied is study the history of Israel because it proves the objectivity of this chapter. And we're going to go on and talk more about that the next time we get together. But I want to close with this verse and we're done. The very last verse is a verse that my dad has reminded me of again and again and again. He says this, the secret things, Moses says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that reveal belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. You know what the secret things are? The secret things are, first of all, Your future is a secret. You see, Moses described that there's going to be failings, that the children of Israel are going to wander away from him. That's going to happen. But you know what Moses didn't say? He didn't say you're going to wander away from him and there's not a thing you can do about it. You know what's a a secret? Your future is a secret. Not your ultimate destiny. That doesn't have to be a secret. But you know, Mary and I, when we got married and we chose to build our life in the Lord, our future was a secret. We had no idea we'd end up in Midlothian. We had no idea how many kids we'd produce. We'd have no idea how we'd live. It was all a secret. Our, our future today is a secret. So is yours. The secret things belong to God. So you're not programmed. The Bible's saying that God knows and God has a plan, but none of you are programmed. That's what the idea of the secret things belong to God. You see, God hasn't programmed any one of you. Moses wasn't telling these people, there's a history that's going to take place, it's prophesied, we taught it in predictive prophecy, so you're going to just do whatever God programmed to do. That's not what Moses is saying. There wouldn't be any reason to preach if that was so. There'd be no reason for me to talk to you today if if that's the way it is. If your personality and your choice and your will didn't have any influence at all, there'd be no reason to talk to you. Moses says this, the secret things, your future belongs to God. And none of us really know what that future is going to bring. You know what our responsibility is? But the things that are revealed belong to you. The things that you learn from the Word of God belong to you. The things you can understand. Number one, are you tuned in? 
What belongs to you is to ask yourself, am I tuned in? You're responsible for that. Number two, you're responsible for the ripple effect. You're responsible to understand that the decision that you make about whether or not you'll be tuned in to God or not will have incredible influence down through your own life on lots and lots of other people. Thirdly, you are responsible for what I told you today. Be careful about vicarious blessing. Be careful about taking for granted that God is bringing prosperity in your life even when you're nurturing secret sins that nobody else knows about. Because there can come a time when God just stops speaking to you and then it will be too late. And Moses ends this chapter by challenging them, saying, don't let that too late come because you have a challenge to choose. I'm going to obey. 